This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Did you know unbelief hinders us from receiving what God wants to give us? Unbelief has this ability to keep us stuck in the exact same place. However, if we can overcome unbelief, we will see God move in our situations and God can truly use us for His glory. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Okay, now for the message. Unbelief. Good morning to everybody. Let me start out this morning saying how blessed we are today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And if you don't consider yourself blessed, consider these numbers. Over 13 million people infected with coronavirus. We are blessed. Over 265,000 people have died from coronavirus. You are blessed. Over 20 million people unemployed. You're blessed. Food lines are, and food banks are overwhelmed. You are truly, truly blessed. So let's continue to intercede for those that are not as blessed as we are, not as fortunate as we are. And let us, who are, be grateful to God for where we are and what we have because it is God that is doing it. It is not us. It's not we in and of ourselves. Our message last week, let's be honest. It is God that giveth thee power to get wealth. It is God, every good and perfect gift that comes down from above. It comes from our Father. It comes from God. In him we live and we move and we have our being. That's why we are where we are and what we have is because of him. So let's be grateful this morning. Let us intercede for those frontline workers that are putting their lives in harm's way every day for the sake of another, for the sake of another, for the comfort of another, for the health and healing of another. Let's let's pray for them. Let's pray for the leaders, those that are in position, high position. Let's pray for God to lead, guide, and direct them and to show him his perfect will, purpose, and plan for their lives in every situation and circumstance that they are facing and dealing with. Let's pray for our outgoing and incoming presidents, that God will turn their hearts to righteousness and truth, turn their hearts to do his work and to do his will. Let's pray for the scientists who they're laboring diligently to come up with a vaccine and and let's thank God for it because it is God that gives me in the mind to to diagnose and to deal with issues that we face and go through and to anoint the mind of man to to come up with remedies to some of the problems that we face and deal with so let's let's pray that God will lead them and guide them and direct them and that whatever they come up with it with it, it will be safe It'll be safe for people to, to take, and it'll be effective, and it won't have all the side effects along with it. 
Let's thank God for us being where we are. Let's continue to pray for the body of Christ. We know that Satan's plan won't work, that it won't prevail. Because God said, upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the rock is the rock of revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That is the rock that he's building his church upon, and, and the gates of hell cannot prevail, will not prevail against it. So let's continue to pray for each other, that God will lead us and guide us and anoint our mind and thinking and, and keep us spiritually connected while we're physically separated. And let's bless the Lord for everything and all things, giving him praise and thanks, and we bless him now for where we are, what we have, and what he's done for us. Today we want to talk about, I want to talk about unbelief, and I want to really come out of the story in, in Matthew chapter uh, 17, where the, where the man's son was a lunatic and had all kinds of mental and physical issues. I wanna, I wanna talk about that and, but first I wanna say that, you know, in traveling around the country and even in our own city, in the area where we live, I noticed that any time that there is a great divide between where a man wants to put a pathway or a road. If there's a body of water, he puts in a bridge. If, there, if the divide is too deep or too wide or too large to drive down in, he puts in a bridge so that you don't have to go down into that area. If there's two parcels of land that he wants to connect and it's too high, he puts a bridge in so that you have easy access from one place to the other so that you can cr so that you can easily cross over from one place to the other and they do that so that we can can easily transition and we don't have to try to go down into these deep valleys and and we're not unlimited to cross large bodies of water. I want to say that also God actually did the same thing. In order for us to go from the natural to the supernatural, God put in a bridge. In order for us to transition from earth to heaven, God built a bridge. Because he knew without that bridge that we would never be able to transition over to the place where he is and neither to the place where he wants us to be. And so that bridge that God built so that we could go from the natural to the supernatural is called faith. Things we need in our lives and in the lives of others sometimes require the supernatural. We have things in the natural that have not changed or been fixed. Unbelief keeps us stuck where we are. It limits what God can do. 
it will stop God from actually working and moving in our lives. If you look at chapter Matthew chapter 17, this man, in verse number 13, it says, Then the disciples stood up that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist, and when he, they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. I want you to see that this man, this father, he had a son, and if we saw him in our day, we would, we would say he's crazy. We would call him a lunatic. We would say he was mentally unstable, and, and he also had some physical problems. And he went to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't help him. We all, in some area of our lives, and, and also people that we know, need some deliverance, need to be delivered from something that the natural cannot fix, that cannot be fixed in the natural, that cannot be fixed in the natural. And then in verse 17, it says, they brought him to Jesus. He, he, the, the man in verse 16, he says, and he, he was talking to Jesus. He said, I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And too often, Jesus had to deal with situations where his disciples were either in fear or in doubt or just truly didn't understand. And Jesus said to them, he said, in verse 17, then Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. It almost sounds as if Jesus had, be, had, had grown irritated and frustrated with uh, with his disciples. It's all, it almost sounds as if they were sort of getting on Jesus' nerve. Sound as if they were somewhat aggravating to him. He said, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I have to deal with this? And then notice that Jesus said, your unbelief in verse number 20, it says, because of your unbelief, your unbelief, they could not do it. They could not deal with it because of unbelief. And I want you to note that it says that unbelief, he, he called them an unbelieving, faithless, I changed the word, faithless and perverse generation. Faithless and unbelief is pretty much the same word. So what Jesus is saying is that when, when we operate in unbelief or we are faithless, it leads to perversion. 
it leads to perversion. It, it, it makes us perverse in our thinking and how we operate and, and how we look at God. And then I want you to see that he, Jesus, in verse 18 it says, And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Note that Jesus speaks to the demon and he cures the boy. So behind all this is a demon. And if we can't see or understand the demon, we will continue to deal with mental and physical problems and circumstances all of our lives. I want you to note that Jesus actually went to the source of the problem. He wasn't dealing with the, 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 the surface or the physical part that we could see. Jesus went to the source. The source of his problem was spiritual. And if we are not spiritual enough to see it or not spiritual enough to address it, then we stay crazy. We stay in the circumstances that we face and deal with. We, nothing in our lives actually change. So I want you to understand also that, that when we stay in these circumstances, we stay in them because of us and not so much because of God. The next thing we need to understand is this. Not, not every situation, every situation is not caused by a demon. So don't, don't actually start to think that everything that happens in life is demonic, demonically controlled because it's not. What we have to do is we have to see, we have to come to the place where we look at things and we have to go deep enough to see if it's spiritual or if it's natural. We have to go deeper to see if our problem is spiritual. And it says Jesus spoke to the demon and he was cured immediately. Immediately. Let me say this. If we've been dealing with a situation for the, for, uh, the, the, the bulk of our lives... If we've been dealing with a situation for year in and year out and, and for a long period of time, it says something about our faith. Because when we get our faith light right, things that seem, that's been around for years change. It was spiritual, and Jesus addressed it spiritually, and it was fixed. He fixed it. He fixed it because he truly and really addressed the problem. Now, in verse 19, it says the disciples, then, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? This is what they're really saying. He's saying we tried and it didn't work. We tried, but it didn't work. How many folks 
that's listening can honestly say that you tried and it does not seem to work for you. You've done this. You've, you, you've read your Bible. You, you came to church. You paid your tithe. You've done the things that you feel that are required. You prayed. But it does not seem to be working. So we have to ask the question, why? When we try and we try and we try and we do all that we can, and it seems as if it is not working, we have to ask ourselves this question, why? In verse number 20, again, Jesus said, then Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Verse number 20 tells us, our faith was missing or insufficient for the problem. Either my faith is missing or it is insufficient for the problem that I'm facing. I believe that's to be the case with most, most Christians. Most of us, our faith is missing or insufficient. Sometimes we do things out of habit. Sometimes, sometimes we do things out of tradition. Sometimes we do things out of religion, our methods and means to reach God. But do we often exercise our faith? Do we often, every day, use our faith? Sometimes we have a, a secular life and we separate our lives. We got a church life, we got a spiritual life, and we have a secular life when the truth of the matter is that we should be practicing and using our faith every day, no matter where we are. We should be using it at work. We should be using it at home. We should be using it when we're driving. We should be using it before we go to sleep. We should be using our faith on a continual and consistent basis. It's almost like muscles. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. The less you use it, the weaker it gets. Anybody ever heard the saying, if you don't use it, you lose it? A lot of people do different things to, to keep their mind active and to exercise their mind so that they don't lose it. A lot of people exercise. You ever done, have you ever done something that you hadn't done in a long time? I can remember myself, you know, trying to paint a room and, and, and I'm not used to pain every day. So there are certain motions and certain actions that you have to take in order to paint that I don't do every day. And when I do it, guess what? Those muscles let me know that I have not used them in a while. They let me know that I hadn't done that particular activity in a while. And the next day I wake up, I'm sore. Why? Because I use muscles that I have not been using. So my question to you is this. Are we exercising our faith on a daily and continual basis? Or is our faith something that we use on occasion? Is it something that we use on occasion? If it is, then 
That's the reason why it does not work like it should and consistently as it should because we're not strengthening it on a day-to-day basis. We're not exercising it on a day-to-day basis. In verse number 20 also, it says now, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you need mustard seed faith to deal with mountain-sized problems. In the Bible, mountain means immovable circumstances. Things you can't change, they are too big for you to deal with. And Jesus is saying you need mustard seed faith. I want you to think about this, that it, within that seed, in that seed, in that seed, there is a 15-foot mustard tree. And if you read the scripture, it says that, that, that this tree grows to where the birds can actually nest and live in it. But when you look at it, it's very, very small and insignificant. I want you to think, even where we live, most people can't relate to a mustard seed, but I want you to think about an acorn that comes from oak trees. Within that acorn is a 40-foot oak tree. So let me ask the question. What is the problem with that seed? What is the problem? What is going on with that seed? The problem with faith is not a size or amount issue. But I believe it's an issue of not being planted. It's an issue of not being planted. Now, well, let me say this. Let me, let me rephrase that. Not so much as not being planted or, or not being received by the earth that it is planted in. Okay? Because... I want you to think about the seed that we're actually talking about. In John 1, 1, it said, in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says this, that the Word of God is an incorruptible seed. Now, the word incorruptible, incorruptible means not subject to death or decay. It's eternal. In other words, this word cannot, this, this, this seed is an incorruptible seed. Now, now in, in, in 1 Peter, it's actually comparing the word to a seed. Okay? So, in Romans 10.17, Romans 10.17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how do we actually receive faith? We receive faith by hearing the word of God. Now let me say this to you. I know a lot of folks say, I've heard the word of God. I've heard the word of God. But then, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this is what he said. He said, he said this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But he said, you shall meditate 
therein day and night that you may observe how to do all that is written therein and then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Okay? Now, Joshua is saying, in the book of Joshua is saying that our responsibility is to meditate on the word. To mull it over. To murmur. And see, I believe that this takes us also to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 tells us somewhat the process of, a, of, of the seed. Okay? In Mark chapter 4, verse 2, it says, He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. But other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did, so they, they did not bear grain. In verse number 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. In verse number nine, then said Jesus, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10 said, when he was alone, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him, he asked them about the parable. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. How about that? and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said unto them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Hear me. The farmer. Here I am. I'm a farmer today. I'm a farmer, and I'm sowing the word. And it says, Now some people are like seed along the path, well, the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them immediately. And then it says, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble, listen, when trouble or persecution come because of the word, they fall away quickly. Then in 18, verse 18, it says, Now still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. We coming, we coming to everybody's neighborhood now. It says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Verse 20 is where we want to be. Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, what you got to understand is, is this. It says, now, some, the, 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 the sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. Now, I, I, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a 
I'm kind of partial to to the King James version. So 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 let me look at let me look at let me look at uh, King James in this same this same passage. It says now when it gets to the when it gets to the farmer. It says now the sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the word side where the word is sown, sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away, away the word that was sown where? In their hearts. It said, now Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. In other words, when the word is sown, it is sown in the heart. Remember I told you all a while back that the, the heart is like the earth. The heart here in this parable, the heart is considered, if you read the, the, the parable itself, it's actually telling us that the heart of man is compared to the earth. He's comparing the heart of man to the earth. So now while he's comparing the heart of man to the earth, this is what he's saying. He said, now the sower soweth a word and and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan come immediately and take the word that was sown in the heart. In other words, some of us, immediately the devil steals the word before we can ever have a chance to do what Joshua said and to meditate therein day and night that we may observe or see how to do all that is written therein. And then he said in verse 16, he said, now these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure for a time. And when persecution, endure for a time after when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So, okay, here, here's, here's the second person. The second person is the person that hears it immediately and get excited about it. They hear the word and they get excited. I've seen those people. They hear the word, they get excited about the word, but the moment trouble arises, the moment that they are afflicted or have problems or situations or circumstances arise in their lives, immediately they are offended and they fall away. They fall away. So the devil gets it out of them that way. In other words, they're like the disciples. They say, it don't work. It don't work. If this word was working, why am I had? Why am I being afflicted? Why am I? Why is persecution arising? Why am I having trouble? They got a wrong perception of the word, and therefore, the word when it is sown, they get excited because it sounds good. It sounds right. It sounds like the answer to their problems. But because it does not work immediately, because trouble comes after that, they immediately become offended. And then in verse 18, it says, now, and these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, they hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, and choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Now, here we, here's the, other, here's the other person. The other person is the person that hears the word. They hears the word, but they got so much stuff in their heart. You ever tried to sow something good where without clearing the land first? If you sow something good without clearing the land first, guess what? Whatever's in that soil 
is going to outgrow and suck up all the nutrients that is required for the seed to actually grow. It's going to take up everything. Now, in, in verse 19, it says, the cares of this world. In other words, I'm overly concerned about this life. I'm overly concerned about this life. In other words, my mind that I should be meditating the word with, I'm meditating other things, cares and concerns about this life. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. In other words, riches have a deceiving power about them that actually makes us think, most of us think, that all I need is money. Money is the solution to all problems. All I need is money. It has a deceitfulness about it. If I just had money, if I just had, money, if I, if I just had this, if I just had that, Things, the lust of other things, the desire for other things. They enter in, they enter in and, and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So in other words, what he's saying is, in order for this seed to actually take root, there has to be some work done on the part of the person where the word is being sown. What I'm saying to you is, is that you can't just come and hear the word and then expect something to happen just because you heard it. You can't just think that I, I, I read the Bible. I went to church and I heard what the preacher said. I took some notes. This also goes to the saying where I tell people, you know, a lot of people left our church because they said, we, 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 you don't have Bible study on Wednesday. And I need something through the week. And I've always said this. Most of, all, well, let me say, let me, let, me, let me not beat around the bush. All of us have not gotten what I preached on Sunday. So, what do you need through the week when you hadn't got what you hadn't, you hadn't really, you got, you have seven days to meditate on what I said on Sunday, which gives you a better opportunity to get it rather than getting something else on Wednesday that you're not going to do anything with. That's why God said, you know, he said in Hebrews, he said, he said, he said, now we ought to be moving on to, to, to bigger things. We ought to be moving on to other things. But he said, I can't because you hadn't even received the basics. You hadn't even got the basics down yet. You hadn't even got the, the simple things down yet. So there is some work that has to be done. Within that seed, within that mustard seed, is a 15-foot mustard tree. Within that acorn is a 40-foot oak tree. But guess what? If it never makes contact with the earth, if it's never planted, if it's never watered, the Bible says one, war, one, one plants another waters, and, but God gives the increase. If it never has, if it never makes contact with the earth, like the first seed, the first seed, Satan comes immediately and snatches it away. The second seed, it doesn't take, it, 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 it doesn't get rooted. They get excited, 
but, because, but, but it don't have no root, and so it only endure for a little time. And afterward, when trouble comes, when persecution or affliction arises, then they, 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 they offend it because of what's going on. In other words, they're saying it don't work. This don't work. It don't work because you hadn't done the work. In order for this to work, you have to do the work. And then the third one says that he's sown among thorns. They hear the word. They hear it. They hear it. But then they got all the cares of this world. They got the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. And they enter in and they choke out this word and it, and it, and it don't produce nothing. It don't reproduce in their lives. That's tough. That's tough. In other words, there's some work that has to be done on the part of the believer. If not, this is, what, this is what we are. This is what we are. We're unbelieving believers. We're unbelieving believers. Verse 20 tells us where we need to be. It says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, hear the word, listen now, hear the word and receive it. Receive it. Accept it as being true. Declare it to be right. Acknowledge it as being fact. Say that this is what God says and this is what's so. They receive it on face value. They accept it for what it is. This is the truth. And he said, now when they hear it and they receive it, it it, it brings forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times over. That shows you some stages of faith. Some people's faith is producing at, at a 30% rate. Some people's faith is producing at a 60% rate. And some people's faith will produce at a 100% rate. And if you're at 30, you ought to be striving for 60. And if you're at 60, you ought to be striving for 100. Your faith should be growing like muscles, like I said. If you're working it, it should be, it should be growing. And let, let me say this, and, and, I, and I'm guilty of this myself. We go to work and we don't operate in faith. The Bible says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But most of us, when we go to work, we walk, by, we, walk, we walk by sight and not by faith. When we come to church, we try to walk by faith and not by sight. And then when we, when we go home and read our Bible, we try to walk by faith and not by sight. But then when we live in the natural world, when we look at our situation and circumstances, we try to walk by sight and not by faith. So we are believing unbelievers. We're unbelieving believers. And we got to make up our mind that this life, listen folks, this life requires faith, period. It requires, it, it, this, this life requires faith. And he said, now, when, when you get to the place where your faith is, is planted and becomes alive, it becomes alive. It's rooted on the inside of you. You have received the word of God. James 1.26 has received the word of God with meekness, which is able to save your soul. What's your soul? The soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. Okay, so if it's going to save my soul, it's going to save my mind. My mind is going to think the right thing. It's going to save my emotions from being, from, from, from being wishy-washy, flaky. And 
if it saves my will, it's going to actually cause my will to make decisions based on that word, that seed. Now, within this seed is all the faith that you need to, to, to speak to your circumstances. Now, this is what he said next. He said, now, he said now in verse, verse number 20, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith of the greater mustard seed. Now, let me say this again. Now, God had given to every man the measure of faith. But let me say this. That faith has to be worked. That faith has to be worked into the heart. It's got to be received by the heart. Remember I told you about a post. When a post actually, you put a post in the ground. Why does that post rot? It's because the, the earth goes to work trying to make it grow. The earth don't have any sense. It says whatever's put in me, I'm supposed to make it grow. So it eats at that post until eventually the post rots away. And the earth, the heart is compared to the earth in Mark chapter 4. The sower soweth the word into the earth. The sower soweth the word into the heart. And the heart goes to work trying to reproduce that word, trying to make it grow, trying to break that hull off of it so that the life on the inside of it will, will be released and roots will sink down and plants will come up and fruit will come from the plant. But if we don't, if we don't work it in the heart, if we don't continually work it in the heart, guess what happens? If we don't continue to work it in the heart, guess what happens? Eventually, we lose it. We lose it. But he said that, he said, he said in verse number 20 in Matthew chapter 17, he said, now we should be able to, we should be able to say to our circumstance because of faith, because of that word. And the word is what? In the beginning was the word, word with God, word was God. So that word that you receive into your heart is God. It is God's word, and it is God. You can't separate the two, a man from his word. It is God. That word is God. And because that word is God, guess what? You have God on the inside of you, and then that faith arises on the inside of you. From the word that you have mulled over, that you have meditated therein, so that you can see how to do all that is written therein, then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. So basically what he's telling us is, he said, now, he said, now, if you do this, if you follow this process through, he said, you could say unto the mountain that impossible situation that big circumstance that's too much for you to handle in the natural he said you will say unto the mountain remove from here to yonder and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you this is how God wants us to live I was telling a brother of mine yes, uh, uh, this, 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 this week I was telling him I said God puts us in impossible situations because he wants to manifest itself through us so that the world can see how he operates in a man I said God puts us in the dark because he called us light. And he wants to shine through you. But what do we do? We fuss about the, we fuss about the darkness and we fuss about the impossible situation because we try to work it within our own strength, our own power, with our own natural mind 
and we refuse to use the bridge that God has a, 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 a built for us to cross over from the natural to the supernatural and so that we can experience God in this life and so that men can see what Jesus can do in the heart of a man and then when they come to you, you can testify and say, look what my God has done. Look what he's done. Look what he's done. And so he, he, he's telling us that we have to have a conversation with the problem. You got to speak to the problem. It'll back off because of the life that's in your faith. This is what makes what appears to be impossible possible naturally within the will of God. It'll make it appear possible. And, and note I said within the will of God that you can't just say and do what you want to say and make it and it's going to come to pass. And then I want to say, now, when we got saved, it was supernatural. It was supernatural. It eternally secured our destiny, our destination, so to speak. When we die, we know that we're going to heaven. Now, let me ask this question. How many people listening, if you die today, are you absolutely positively sure without a shadow of a doubt that you go to heaven? I'm sure 9 out of 10 of you, if not 10 out of 10, will tell me I'm going. Why? Because you placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus on Calvary's cross. And nobody can talk you out of it. Nobody can convince you otherwise. Nobody can tell you that you're going to die and go to hell. Why? Because you believe what Jesus said about your sin. You believe the word that he spoke about your sin. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God is raised from the dead. He said, for thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And you say, I've done that. I believe that. And guess what? You are saved. But here's the problem. We use that faith, we use the same faith for our eternal salvation and refuse to use that faith for our situations here on earth. Let me tell you something. Just that same faith that, the, that changed your destiny from, heaven, from hell to heaven will change the situation and circumstances that you deal with on the earth. That same faith, that same faith will do it. It'll do it. That's why we wait to get to heaven to see it because we don't live by faith on earth. Accepting Christ takes you to heaven living by faith. Takes you to heaven. Living by faith brings heaven to you. Remember what Jesus told his disciples to pray. Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, pray heaven down to the earth. You don't have to wait to get there in order to see it. You don't have to wait to get there to experience it. You can experience it now by faith. We can bring heaven to us. We are unbelieving believers. And then Jesus said in verse number 21, he, he, he makes a statement. He said, now this kind, what kind? What kind? He said, this kind, this kind, he's talking about a particular kind, this kind goeth not out by, but by prayer and fasting. 
This kind. What kind is he talking about? The kind where demons are behind it. He said, this is deep, not ordinary. He said, in mo most cases, we have to go deeper. When the ordinary can't fix it, we don't want to put in the work to solve the problem or go deeper in God. What do I mean by go deeper? He said, now you got to go deeper. You got to go into fasting and prayer. It could be a stronghold in place. And truthfully, only God can handle these outlaw spirits that's in the earth. Only God can handle them. Only God can deal with them. So he's saying now, we have to go deeper. Sometimes we can't just pray surface prayers. Sometimes we can't just pray a, 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 a written prayer. Sometimes we got to search deeper. We got to go deeper in God and figure out what the problem is. What's going on? What is the, what is, what's the matter? What's really happening here? And then God can help you get to the bottom of it. Just like God showed Daniel. Daniel prayed. And the Bible eventually God, God came, the angel came to him and, and revealed to Daniel. He said, now Daniel, the day you prayed. The answer was on the way. But he said, the prince of Persia, which was a spirit, hindered me from coming to you. But he said, the day you set your heart to seek me and, 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 and lay your request before me, he said, the answer was on the way. But, an, but a demon hindered me. He said, I had to get Michael, the archangel, to come help me fight and get, make my way through to get the message to you. In other words, Daniel had to look deeper, he had to dig deeper, he had to get with God and find out, God, what's going on, what's happening? And God eventually told him. So sometimes we, have, we, may, need to, we may need to go into fasting. May need to fast a little bit. Now, now, don't misunderstand fasting. Fasting could mean a multitude of things. Most times it, it's, it's going without food. But let God lead you on a fast. It could be doing without sugar. It could be doing without television. It could be doing without a lot of things. You, you're consecrating yourself to, under God so that you can spend time with God, so that you can go deeper in him, so that you can get to the root of the problem and resolve some of the issues that you're facing and dealing with in your life. But then Matthew don't cover this, this subject as well as Mark did because as the man began, as the man prayed in Mark chapter 9, the man prayed, he said, he said, now, you know, he said, at Jesus asked me in verse 20, how long this thing been him? He said, since he was a child, so it's been with him a while. Oftentimes it cast me into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But he said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said in verse number 23, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. In verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter, enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and it came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch they said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and arose. But my point is this, that there is some times in our lives when we actually have unbelief in us. In, in us. When we're actually dealing with unbelief. 
And this scripture shows us that we can cry out to God about our unbelief and God will help us with our unbelief. But let me say this, don't think that you can just simply cry out and ask God for help with your unbelief and don't, there's no work on your part. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that you may observe how to do all that is written therein. Then, you shall, your, then, then shall you prosper and have good success. So there is a part. There is some work that we have to do. We, we have to do. We got to actually do some work in our heart according to Mark chapter 4. We can't let the devil just come and walk away with the word. We can't be shallow Christians, get excited about it, then when trouble comes, we fall away. We can't let the cares of this world, the seafiness of witches, and, and a desire for other things to choke the word out. In other words, my mind is so consumed with other stuff that I can't meditate on the word so that I can actually get it rooted down into my heart so that I can be the person in, chapter, in, in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 20 that brings forth good fruit and that my, my faith will have been, begin to grow some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And I want to go from 30 to 60 and 60 to 100. I want to be to the place where when I walk the earth and I speak to a situation and circumstance, it happens immediately like it did with Jesus in accordance with the will of God not walking around and doing what I want to do but doing what God wants me to do we can cry and ask God I believe help my unbelief and let me say this believing comes, comes before seeing take God at his word act in light of it you will see things change. Put belief before sight, and our sight will see what we believe. Our sight will see what we believe. Unbelief means we, means we have not accepted. We have not accepted the word as being true because it cannot be seen with the natural eye. It means we have accepted our circumstances as being the fact of our life, as being facts to us, as being true to us. What I see is my truth. What I see is my reality. And therefore, I believe what I see, and therefore I have what I only see. You got to meditate the word of God, according to Joshua 1.8, that you may observe to do or see how to do all that is written therein, and then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Let us pray. Lord, we just, we just cry out to you like the father of this man, the father of this, 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 this boy did. He said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, Lord, in, in all of us. There is some areas of unbelief. There are some areas where we don't trust you. There are some areas where we don't believe you. There are some areas in our lives where we have accepted our circumstances as being facts and as being true. The devil has deceived us. He snatched away the word that's been sown in our heart. In our hearts, there are things that are choking the word and causing it not to be fruitful. Some of us get excited about the word when we hear it, and then it only lasts for a while. When trouble or persecution arise for the word's sake, we become offended at the word. So, Lord, we're crying out to you and asking you to help us in this situation and circumstance. Lord, I'm asking you to create within us a hunger, a thirst, and a desire for your word, for your truth, Lord God. 
so that we can grow and be mature Christians, so that we take our faith from, from the church to the house, from the house to the job, from the job to Walmart, to every place that we go, we operate in faith, and we believe that God is going to move on our behalf in whatever our situation and circumstances may be, and whatever they are, God will manifest, and we can speak to it and have authority and control over it. And Father, we bless you, we praise you, we worship you, and we honor you for doing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.